This a success off another breath. This the first step in searching to be nothing less than be the best in what you do to prove their strength in being you. Learn so much in chasing dreams that I never would in school. And what's going on, guys? Kieran Hidley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast, the place where we bring science and spirituality together. Together. <laughs> together. Together. To speak about mental health and performance. And we either have doctors or specialists on the show to speak with myself to speak on these topics. Or we have myself, good old Keza, having a yarn with you. And today, excuse the Kiwi slang, we are having a yarn. And I, f- I forget sometimes that yarn isn't a normal uh, word that's used. <laughs> we say yarn instead of banter sometimes, or instead of chat, or instead of uh, breaking bread. <laughs> you know, all those different sayings out there. So, once again, I'm here joined by my uh, fellow friends, Tweetster and Twitter over here. All right, so we've got all sorts of bird noises in the background. Uh, if you're watching on video, I've got the sun glaring in my eyes, so I'm squinting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're going to have car noises and all sorts going on, but that's what we do here. You know, we, we get on with it. And um, I just love the inclusion of all of these extra noises as well. Actually, I find it more enjoyable. Now today, of course, as you saw on the title, we're speaking procrastination. Procrastination. And really, it's five syllables I said in four, but you get my point. Um, this is something that we all struggle with. Let's be blunt. Let's be real here. This is something we all struggle with. I myself still struggle with procrastination in many areas of my life. It's much less significant than it used to be. However, it's still there. Here's how you know, firstly, whether or not you're going to be growing with procrastination. And I guarantee if you apply the things that you take on board from this episode today, I guarantee you will grow and you will have less procrastination. And these are the two metrics that I use for growth. One is time. The second is intensity. Am I spending less time in procrastination per day, per week? And is the intensity of how intensely I'm procrastinating and avoiding, has that gone down as well? So whether it's growing through pain, for example, is the pain or the anger or the suffering or the sadness or the anxiety one experiencing, is it less intense and or has the time frame that it's experienced when it does come up, is it less? That's when you know you grow. Growth isn't a light switch. It doesn't just turn off. It's not like you just stop procrastinating one day. It's not like you just stop having anxiety one day or stop having depression one day. It doesn't happen like that. It's a slow, gradual shift. Because that's the way the brain works. It works with incremental, slow, gradual shifts. Because there's rewiring that must take place. Because there's rewiring that must take place, old systems and circuits are still there. They're still relevant. They don't just disappear. We don't just forget, right? This whole concept of forgive and forgive and forget, it doesn't exist, unfortunately. We don't just forget. It gets stored 
in the depths of our mind under many layers. And yes, the brain will try to avoid those circuits or when those circuits fire, some others will take over to distract us from those circuits. This does lead into this concept of procrastination that I'm speaking on, by the way. We avoid those circuits. In other words, we avoid facing the actual core issue that is there, that is then also therefore preventing us from acting on the thing we want to act on. So a lot of the work around procrastination is actually about doing the deeper work within oneself and about working through the deeper issues that do lie there that many people try avoid their whole life, which unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, they don't go anywhere unless you face them. So as much as it might be easier just to stay busy at work, to continue to uh, find comfort in your partner, to continue to find ease with the food that you eat, safety and security in this and the cigarettes you smoke or the vape that you smoke or this excitement that you find that you get every weekend because you get to go out and have a rave and a party with your mates doing that just to get away from the issue isn't isn't unfortunately going to solve the issue ever in fact it's going to make it worse over time because you're building layers of trauma on top of the old trauma and the reason why is because as long as the old trauma exists You'll react to situations around you that resemble the old trauma in some shape or form, which will lead to more pain, which will lead to more trauma. You see, so it adds layers. So we're going to leave that sort of spiel and how to delve deep into oneself for another time. But I do want to put that on the table. Because if you are a person that feels like meditation or insight is not for you, it's definitely for you. <laughs> it's even more for you than anyone else <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because so long as you live a life of not utilizing introspection introspection meaning going inward meaning noticing what's happening within oneself you are the common denominator in all your situations and all your experiences in your life so long as this one as in me is not understood I cannot possibly understand everything that goes on around me. No way. So start by going inward. Start by self-inquiring. Start by learning to understand what happens within oneself, within yourself when you close your eyes. And you sit there and even though you want to move, even though you want to get up, you stay there anyway. If you can resolve these deeper things, these deeper issues, these deeper difficulties that you don't want to look at and face, Naturally, the things that you start avoiding in day-to-day -day life, like doing the dishes, like starting that business you've been wanting to start, like asking that person out you've been wanting to ask out, like emailing your boss when you know you need to email them, these little things that you're procrastinating on, there's a much deeper root cause to the reason why you're procrastinating in the first place because there's some sort of avoidance going on. The brain is essentially trying to keep you safe because it believes that in facing whatever X, Y, or Z is, it's going to bring more discomfort, more pain than the discomfort and the pain that you're experiencing right in this moment. That's why. So let's get to the more neurological dynamics that occur during procrastination. Because procrastination, there's many things that go on with procrastination and we're going to talk a little bit about 
why it happens really briefly, as briefly as I can, and I'm just going to sort of tie it up in a nutshell. I'm going to share with you three things you can start doing outside of the normal conversation that usually happens around how to shift procrastination because, well, I'm sure you guys have heard these a million times, so I'll touch on those really briefly. Then I'll give you three proper strategies that work much deeper than these things that will really help a more sustained shift. And then we're going to wrap it up. I do have a meeting actually and starts in about 10 minutes but I did mention that I'm going to be about 5 or 10 minutes late because I wanted to film this and record this for you guys so here we are now neurologically this is what happens with procrastination you've got midbrain dopamine circuits that pause during an experience of rejection during an experience where the anticipated experience um, did not meet the actual experience. So what I mean by this is, uh, is an example. Okay, say I told you, go to um, this pizza store. It is the best pizza in the world. And you went there, you tried it, and it was, you know, subpar pizza. It was pretty good, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. This punishment circuit would fire, meaning... In other words, sorry, the dopamine circuits would pause, which is your punishment circuitry, if you will, which will then feel like you're experiencing a lack of joy, a lack of satisfaction in that moment. So this, these dopamine circuits, when they fire, on the other hand, you feel more joy, you feel more reward, and you feel more satisfaction. So say I just said, go to this pizza store and, um, you know, just try the pizza. It's decent. And you went there and, you know, it's, it's still pretty good pizza, but you, ha- you had it. And, you know, it was better than what you expected. How you experience that pizza would be far above the actual pizza's general experience with others. Simply because your anticipation was low compared to the actual experience itself. So you'd fire more dopamine. The dopamine circuits would light up. Because the experience of the reward was greater than what you anticipated, right? Now, during procrastination, when you're wanting to do something, the thought about wanting to do something shuts or pauses those dopamine circuits, which prevents forward momentum into that direction you want to go. And what happens is you're getting the dopamine circuitry firing from whatever act you're doing in the procrastination. So as an example, if your procrastination task is TikTok (laughs) or Instagram or scrolling through something or pornography or watching anime. Okay, I'm I'm a lover of anime. That's why I had to drop it in there, right? Or eating food or smoking, right? These things are giving you an experience of, of joy, of satisfaction in some shape or form that's that has come from the firing of these midbrain dopamine circuits. So when you come back to the thought of, oh, I really need to do this email, those dopamine circuits shut off. Or they pause for a moment. They don't shut off completely. They just pause. And the pausing of that, it doesn't feel good. Therefore, you don't want to go in that direction. And therefore, you come back to the procrastinating task you're doing. So that's what's happening during procrastination. So how to shift this? Firstly, I'll explain a little bit more about the potency of of the pausing of these dopamine circuits and the potency of experiencing more dopamine. 
Because dopamine is not just a reward chemical, it's also a motivation chemical as well. It's a chemical that fires when you know you're on the right path. If you don't feel like you're on the right path, it'll shut off. Or it'll pause, rather. I keep saying shut off, but it's actually pause. It'll pause. Okay. Now, in the pausing of this, naturally, you don't want to go in that direction. And this is how we know it's so intense. What they did is in a specific study, I can't remember the exact title or any, or, or exactly uh, when it was done, but essentially it was a study done on rats where they played with their dopamine circuitry in their brain. And what they did is they placed a rat in front of a lever. When the rat would nudge this lever, food would get presented to the rat and the rat would eat. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> then what they did is they took the rat one body length, in other words, one length of its body away from the lever. They played with its dopamine circuits and they turned them off. Now that rat could not possibly fire dopamine and experience dopamine. The rat did not move even when it started to starve. Even when it started to starve, yep, it would not move. Why? Because there was no dopamine. And dopamine is essential for us to even move. So you can start to hear how important and how crucial this dopamine circuitry in our brain really is for any sort of action, not just motivation, but any sort of action even for survival, even for me getting up and going to the pantry and getting food, I need dopamine to fire my brain in the anticipation of that food that I'm going to get from the pantry or the fridge in order for me to move. Without that dopamine firing, nothing will happen. So in saying that, this is how we start to shift this. One, um, I'm going to give you two quick little um, uh, sort of rundown tools that people talk about a lot of the time. Okay, one, sometimes people talk about um, using motivational music, that's great, okay, you know, get you hyped up. It's not actually going to be sustainable because you might do one thing, but it doesn't mean you're going to stay like that, right? We want to know what that's like. So that's a tool that some people talk about. Another tool people talk about is the uh, five-second rule, you know, where you, um, where you either count to five, one, two, three, four, five, go, right? <laughs> or you um, do it within the first five seconds. As soon as you think of it, you do it, right? That's great, but again, it's not super sustainable. Another tool people talk about is um, if you just do something for 15 seconds or two minutes, I think, um, I can't remember, a friend of mine told me about this two-minute rule, I think it was called, and it was, it's that, say you want to do your laundry and you don't want to at the same time. So you tell yourself, I'm just going to do the laundry for two minutes and if I don't feel like still continuing on when it's two minutes in, I can just leave it. So you feel more convinced, you get up and you start doing the laundry for two minutes and you're like, well, what the heck? I'm already here, I'm already doing it, I might as well finish it. So you finish it off. I've done this with my running before, right? And it helps. It's actually probably the most potent tool of the ones that I've just shared that has worked for myself. Right? So these are great little tools that you can use, but they're just little strategies to sort of get around the core issue. I'm going to share three concepts that will help you to delve deeper into this core issue and shift it. Now, the first is the pain and pleasure response. Understanding this response within the human brain will help you to start to utilize it in a way that suits you. So you can take advantage of it. And as you're thinking about taking advantage of the pain and pleasure response, I'm going to take off my jacket because it's freaking warm. Even though I'm in Arrowtown and this morning, I believe it was only like one or two degrees. Here we are, boiling. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm loving this standing up, by the way. It's nice not having to sit down feel more 
powerful standing. So pain and pleasure response, okay? So essentially, as I mentioned, when the midbrain dopamine circus pause, that's a pain response, okay? That happens during an experience of pain. It happens during an experience of avoidance. It is essentially your quote-unquote punishment system or circuit. It's also, as well, your pleasure circuit. So when you experience pleasure, yes, dopamine as well as endorphins as well as oxytocin fire, right? But we're just going to focus on the dopamine for the time being, right? Because say uh, you had some chocolate and it was so yummy, you'd get extra endorphins. Say you had some chocolate and it was so, so and so yummy, you'd get less endorphins. The more endorphins that fire, the more dopamine will also fire. Okay, which means that next time you think about that chocolate, you're going to get a high, resp- high experience of dopamine firing in the brain. With that high, um, high amount of dopamine firing in the brain, you're going to be very motivated to go and get that chocolate. Okay, so you can sort of see how endorphins and dopamine is correlated, and how the pleasure that you get from something will correlate to the amount of motivation you have to go and get it. Okay, now this ties into what we're going to be talking about around pain and pleasure because. When you can learn to associate pleasure or celebration with the thing that you've been avoiding, when you act it out, you're going to shift the circuitry. So as an example, if you're working on making running a habit, okay, and every, like, you know, every evening that you get home after work, you're tired, you can't be bothered, you don't do anything about it, and then you beat yourself up for not doing it, and then you're like, I'll just do it tomorrow. And then eventually you get to a point where you finally do it because you beat yourself up so much that you actually finally do it. And you do it for a few days and you slack off again and then back to square one, right? So that's the sort of cycle that I hear a lot about. This ties beautifully into the pain and pleasure response, right? So the first aspect is the pleasure aspect, which is, okay, well, every time you do actually go for that run, you internally validate and celebrate the success of going for that run. And you tell yourself and remind yourself what is this giving you? What is this giving you? When you find yourself on the couch tomorrow, when you come home and you know you need to go for that run, you remind yourself how it felt when you completed the run. So there's that pleasure response you're firing. And you also as well indicate to yourself, okay, what is this going to give me if I go for that run? What's going to give me discipline? It's going to give me fortitude. I'm going to get fitter. I'm going to start losing the good old bear belly I've built. I'm going to probably be more attractive to those around, right? These are things that you need to remind yourself of and not in a demeaning way. You're not beating yourself up here. You're reminding yourself of the qualities and the um, beautiful things that you get to gain from doing the thing you've been avoiding. And people talk about self-love in an aspect of, oh, it's okay, I don't need to go for the run. I'm just going to chill here and because I'm beautiful as I am. And this is great, great language to use for yourself, but it's also as well going to long-term lead to more self-punishment. We all know how that works. True self-love is in giving to yourself the things you know you need, regardless of what the mind says. That's true self-love. So start giving yourself that true self-love. You deserve it. I wish that for you. Let's do it, okay? The other side to it is a pain response. So when you find yourself not moving from the couch, think to yourself, remind yourself, What is me not doing this thing costing me? Well, it's costing me uh, my health. It's costing me my discipline. It's costing me my life, really, actually, to be honest, because I decreased my level of discipline. 
I feel less attractive. I I beat myself up. I sabotage myself. I end up loving myself less. So it's costing me my capability to truly enjoy this life. That's a lot. That one thing is a lot. But if you realize, realize the cost that you not doing the thing you know you need to do, if you realize it, it's not beating yourself up. You're not shoving any new information in your head. That, that stuff already exists. You've just been avoiding it because you've been getting pleasure from the TikTok, from the whatever you're doing, right? From the food, anything, right? So the pain and the pleasure. Utilize that response. It already, already exists within you. And what this is going to do is you're going to now learn to correlate that punishment circuitry. In other words, the pausing of the midbrain dopamine circuits to the thing you've been finding pleasure in, which is a good thing because now you're no longer going to procrastinate with the pleasurable thing and you're going to be more likely to get up off your ass and go and do the thing you've been avoiding. This is the biggest thing out of anything that I'm going to be speaking on, about anything you'll probably hear about. If you can utilize this one thing, you're going to defeat procrastination. So get off your ass and start applying this right now. Okay. As soon as you finish this audio, even right now, pause this audio and ask yourself, what is it that I've been avoiding? Just try it now. What is it I've been avoiding? What is it costing me if I don't go and do that right now? What is it going to give me if I go and do that right now? And how will I feel once I've done it? Boom. Go and do it. Just like that. And then you can come back and listen to the next two. They're going to be more succinct. Now, the second uh, great uh, tool is presence. Okay, so conditioning is where procrastination exists. As I mentioned, right, it's in your, um, it's in your conditioning, it's in your mind. Because you're finding pleasure in the thing that you're using to procrastinate with. And you're finding avoidance in the thing you don't want to do. That's conditioning. So if you can step out of conditioning, imagine the freedom that you'd have, it, have um, a capability to touch. It's infinite. The potential is infinite when you're truly present. There's two ways to develop this. One way is to, as I spoke about meditation earlier on in this audio, when you go inward and you resolve the things within yourself that you've been avoiding within yourself, you come to a place of deeper stillness within. You come to a place where you're less cluttered and busy in the mind because you've resolved the things that the mind's constantly, unconsciously and subconsciously trying to solve in the background because that's actually why the mind is busy because it's trying to solve something that you haven't resolved, just by the way. All right? If you've resolved everything within yourself, the mind will never be busy. Isn't that an interesting thing? So... Take that note, okay? doesn't mean that I've resolved everything within me. I definitely haven't. <laughs> but I've resolved a lot compared to where I was before, which is why my mind no longer is so busy. It's actually pretty quiet a lot of the time. Yes, it gets busy. Yes, it gets overwhelming. I still feel anxious here and there. The intensity and the time is minimal, though. There's that growth. The second way to build a deep sense of presence is pause. <sighs> Take a breath. Notice your surroundings, the sounds, everything you see. Notice everything in, in high definition because you have the ability to see everything in a more saturated color when you're truly present with it. Right in this moment, you're out of your conditioning. Do that right now. Take a deep breath. Get in touch with everything around you. 
and then come back to what it is that you are doing and you and you'll realize oh I don't actually need to be doing this. This is a waste of time. I can do the thing that actually serves me. Okay, I'm going to go do that. Right, so that's, that's the shift that we're going for. If you practice presence more frequently throughout the day, you'll get less caught up in your conditioning, therefore you get less caught up in your procrastination. Nice and simple. That's a practice, by the way. It's not just a one-off. The final thing that's going to help you shift procrastination that I want to give you because there's so many other things, but these are just the three main focuses I want to give you. That's your energy levels. Okay, so if you're in a low energy state, a tired mind is a dangerous mind. A tired mind is also an avoiding mind because a tired mind falls into conditioning because it uses less calories. It literally uses less calories, right, which is energy. It requires more calories to fire up your prefrontal cortex and to utilize this big meaty part of the brain because that is your command your slash your control center that's going to exercise this systematic response called top-down control, which means that no matter how much you don't want to do something, you do it anyway. That's, what's top down, that's what top-down control is. That's part of it. Another side to it is when you feel really tense in the body and you make your body relax. That's also top-down control. Another one is if you start hyperventilating <laughs> and you're able to calm your breathing. That's top-down control, right? So top-down control is going against the body's usual reactions and it's responding, okay? So in other words, conscious action. So if you have a raised level of energy, you're more capable of consciously responding. Two great ways I'm going to give you on this, all right? One is, of course, improve your sleep. So important, all right? I don't care how many how important you already know it is. It is more important than that. <laughs> it's so important. A tired mind is a dangerous mind. It always will be. I don't care how conscious you are. Okay. Get your sleep. Nutrition. That's another thing. Okay. I can go on for hours about this stuff. So I'm not going to. Find other podcasts that go into depth around this. All right. Learn about it. Understand that when you shift this, everything else will be positively impacted in your life. Everything. I guarantee it. And the second is to raise your vibe. When you, if you practice things like visualization, okay, and you tune into you know, your future, you imagine what your future self would look like, you imagine how your highest self would be, how your highest self and future self would act, how they would feel. If you feel into that constantly throughout the day and you decide and you ask yourself this question, what would my highest self do? What would my best version of myself do? What would my, the version of myself that acts at their highest potential do? What would my future self do? Asking yourself these questions constantly throughout the day will mean that when you see the sock on the floor, my higher self would not just leave that sock on the floor. I'm going to pick it up. When you see that rubbish randomly on the ground, your higher self would pick up the rubbish. When you avoid that thing you know you should be doing, your higher self would go and do that thing. When you see that very attractive person you want to go speak to, your higher self would go and speak to that person. Asking yourself constantly, what would my higher self do? The thought will come, you'll know it's there, and you'll know that if you don't act on that one thing that you know your higher self will do, you're serving your lost self right in that moment. So that's a great way to act. And the more you do that, it actually builds and cross-pollinates to all other areas of your life. The more you act on your higher self, the more your higher self will come through you more organically and naturally. And the more you act on your lower self, the more that will come through you organically and naturally, which is not what you want. So don't serve your lower self, serve your higher self. Okay, and practice being more compassionate to your lower self because that too is a problematic spiral that you can get stuck in. That, my friends, 
is for another time. Give yourself the love you know you deserve. Only you can give that. I'm here for you. I love you. You've got this. I'm supporting you from the sidelines. And keep striving. Because so long as you exercise on this every single day, it is very possible, my friends, to finally defeat that procrastination. Get at it. Remember, I don't charge for this. I also do not run ads. So I will. I might eventually run ads, but right now I don't. And the reason why is because I want it to be easy listening. And also, it means that I grow this podcast completely organically as well. Uh, so it would you know, mean the world if you uh, share this with people, if you found any value in it. And I think that's about it. If people ask, what have you been doing? What have you been changing? Give us a good old shout out and be like, yo, my boy Kizza. <laughs> Kizza is doing this awesome podcast called The Pocket Coach. You should go listen to it and send people this way. It would be very much appreciated. Like, um, so um, subscribing to the podcast, rating it, reviewing it. Man, that means the world. It really does. Once again, I love you guys. Have a beautiful day because you make it so. See you next time. That's why I do this for you.